and drugs. Tyera moved to her sister's house, then to her cousins, to her school friends, to her boyfriends. She would do anything to hide that she was homeless. She refused to be a foster kid until she was 16 and couldn't hide the growing bump beneath her jeans. At the same Child and Family Services Agency building where Tyera turned herself in, Antony Fox was dropped off by her mother. She was 16. In one arm, she held her one-year-old son, Noah, and the other a car seat carrying her infant son, Tarif. I can't do this anymore, Antony's mom told her in the car. You got two kids, woman up. And then all Antony's belongings were in seven bags on the agency's curb, and her mom was pulling away. Now a $7.2 million, 29-unit apartment building was designed to make sure her kids didn't end up with the same stories. Well, good morning, everybody. D.C. Mayor Muriel E. Bowser, Democrat, told the crowd beneath the tent, Welcome to Ward 4, and welcome home. Home, community, home, community. Every person who took to the microphone kept stressing the same words, and each time the crowd clapped. Gwen joined them, applauding for all the groups who made this place possible for her, the city, the nonprofits, Mikasa, and Generations of Hope, the donors, the social workers who had shaped her childhood. So far, it was a community of strangers, but the mayor sounded certain it would become much more. Where Genesis stood now, she said, there used to be two large bungalow-style homes. Both were abandoned. The bushes out front grew wild, and one, squatters lit the roof on fire. They sat empty for years, until the city came and tore them down, and from a pile of rubble, they were trying to build something better. A Generation of Neglected Children Gwen's story started with fire, too. She was two years old. Her older brother was four. Their mother had left them alone in her southeast Washington apartment. The stove was on. The flames came fast. If it weren't for the neighbors who knocked down the door, that's where Gwen's story would have ended. She later learned, she said, that her mother was down the street getting high. She never saw her again. In the mid-1990s, the crack epidemic was at the end of its rage, and the city was in its withdrawal period. A flood of children had been left uncared for. The child welfare system was so overwhelmed, it was being sued for negligence. Children were living in temporary emergency shelters. Reports of abuse and malnourishment went uninvestigated. In 1995, a federal judge took control of the system from the district. Today, social workers call the hundreds of kids who came into the city's care at that time the youth bubble, or the legacy kids. Without an effective system to find them permanent homes, the children grew up moving from one temporary setting to another, often without ever being adopted. That was Gwen's life. First, she moved to her grandparents' house, but her grandmother died soon after. Then she moved in with a family she doesn't remember. Then to a family she remembers wanting to be adopted by. Even though their teenage son would take Gwen and her younger sister into his room to play games that were anything but. Even though the foster mother would whip them with a Home Depot paint stick. One day at school, her teacher saw the welts, and so Gwen moved again, and again. By the time she turned 21, she estimated, she had lived in more than 40 places. Connections and Conflict The bare cream walls at Genesis exploded with color. Over the course of a year, a mural artist helped the residents paint birds and butterflies using stencils that could be mastered by young and old. Then the artist painted each member of the community onto the walls, so every person who walked into the building could see who called this place home. There was Gwen, holding a Marion in her arms, Tyera, with four-year-old daughter Ania, on her lap and two-year-old daughter Audrey at her side. Smiling beside the moms were colorful renderings of the elders. Deli Reed, a brassy Louisiana native, who couldn't keep her house after her husband died of bone cancer, Ernie Osinkoya, who came from Nigeria to America to be a doctor, and found cocaine instead.
Bonnie Duffy Page, who herself had become a mom at 16, and then a grandmother at 33, before suffering multiple strokes that limited her mobility. Together, they had become neighbors saying hello in the halls, borrowing cornbread mix and can openers, giving one another rides to Walmart. The seniors knew whose child liked to color and whose liked to bang on the piano. Miss Deli took the older kids to summer camp at her church. Miss Bonnie left the door unlocked so the moms could stop by to watch Wendy Williams with her, or confide how overwhelmed they felt. Mr. Ernie would greet everyone with a drawn-out hello in his Nigerian accent, and then ask, how are you doing today? But the connections they'd made couldn't erase their problems. Tyera was raising her daughters on her own. Her unpredictable schedule as a nursing assistant meant she often needed babysitters, but she barely trusted any of the adults at Genesis enough to let them close to her kids. Miss Daly was struggling to pay her rent, but she was too proud to ask anyone in the building for help. Gwen couldn't find a steady job, so she...